Our gospel reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. I'll begin reading in the 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of the Lord. A few years ago, there was a a viral video that uh, uh, had video job interviews taking place. And there, the interviewees uh, soon discovered that the job that they were applying for was quite challenging. They soon discovered that uh, the job as the interviewer let them know would require them to be on their feet for about mm, 100 to 135 hours per week. And then uh, when asked about breaks, they said, yeah, we don't have any breaks scheduled. Then as uh, the interview went on, they said, well, how am I going to eat my meals. Oh, you can eat your meals just as long as the associate you're working with eats theirs first. Well, how am I even going to get any sleep in? One person asked, well, not much sleep will be uh, around. And then when someone asked about the pay and they found out that uh, it was pro bono, only to soon discover that they thought that no one would take this job, but in fact, millions have, billions, really, uh, because the job being described was that of a mom. And that kind of uh, sacrificial love is the kind of love that God has for us. And we know how important and significant that love is for us in our lives and in our relationships Sometimes even when we don't experience that kind of sacrificial love, we know how much more important it is because we long for it. Today in Nehemiah chapter 1, or what some scholars call the part of the scroll that's Nehemiah's memoir, we discover that kind of sacrificial love again. This time, just in the introduction of Nehemiah, whose name means literally the comfort of Yahweh. The comfort of Yahweh. How will Yahweh, the one true God, bring comfort through Nehemiah? We're about to find out. How is Yahweh, the one true God, bringing comfort and coming into your life today. Now, I'm going to give you a brief review to help us unpack this a little further from the last couple of weeks. And do me a favor, at least not mentally, don't kick that little button on, the, on your streaming device that says skip the recap, all right? Stay with me for a moment. Because after God's people were uh, exiled for decades... And they began to return to the promised land with the Lord's leading. First, we discover in 
Ezra, Zerubbabel would come. And remember now, Zerubbabel established the altar and the foundation of the temple, the place where you could meet God and be in the presence of God and receive his mercy. Next, a few years later, we get introduced to Ezra. You may recall, this is the guy whose whole being and heart was dedicated to the word of God. And so he gathered God's people in community together, once again, just as God gathers us to be together in community under the word of God. Then, as you'll read in Ezra 4, there was some trouble afoot. And for about 10 years the work of rebuilding was stalled because of the dangers. And so about 14 years after Ezra, Nehemiah comes on the scene. We don't get to Nehemiah unless we've come to the presence of God at his temple and his mercy seat. We don't get to Nehemiah unless we've been gathered together under his word as his people. And now we come, even in the midst of danger, as we'll soon discover, to the comfort of Yahweh. God would bring comfort through this Nehemiah. And It's not as if the walls that provided protection, it was a surprise that they'd been torn down. After all, that that had happened under Nebuchadnezzar and it had been decades upon decades of that destruction. But it was during this time of rebuilding that got stalled that now this report has come to Nehemiah and his heart is broken. God's people are in danger. The conditions were terrible. And so his heart was moved. How is our heart moved? How are our hearts moved? By the conditions of those in need, in need of God's word, in need of healing in the brokenness of this world around us. And so this moved Nehemiah to first pray. He prayed not unlike we pray together in the Lord's Prayer, as he invoked on the name of the Lord and prayed. Like we do when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Hearts being changed by the will of God. And so Nehemiah began to pray. In fact, He patterned a lifestyle that we'll see repeated throughout the scriptures. In fact, we'll talk about that in a few moments as it even gets revealed to us in Christ. Nehemiah would come before this impossible task and come up first to the Lord, the God of heaven. That's what he did first. Next, he would quickly invite others for help, including in his workplace. And we get this surprise verse in verse 11 that lets us know that his job was no small matter. 
considered a high up position, similar to Joseph in Egypt, as we find out at the end of verse 11, a cupbearer. Now I looked up uh, through some historians the significance of that role. It was more than just the importance of testing if, to see if the king was poisoned in his cup. The cupbearer would often be the one that would decide who gets to come in and have an audience before the king. Other historians said it meant access. This significant role in the Persian kingdom, he would even come to the king now and invite him in to this problem. And then soon in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Nehemiah, we see how he invites others into this mission that has broken his heart to rebuild the temple. And many of God's people would have different sections of the wall to participate in. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. And then finally, it was all for the sake of the outcome of others. And so he came up to the presence of God. He invited others in. And it was for the work of the glory of God, for the outcome of others. This is a pattern that we're invited to in our lives. And it's based on, as we hear in verses 4, 5, and 6, once again, God's steadfast love, his chesed. God's perfect covenant relational modeled for us, unconditional, steadfast love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God would offer this to his people. This is the, the strength and heart of, of Nehemiah's prayer, calling on God's steadfast love for this heart cry of brokenness. For he sees in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the covenant relationship being offered faithfully. As we see, as God lives in relationship in the Trinity, no wonder then do we long for that relationship. And as we live in that relationship of God's steadfastness, then we experience his love and his law, or his law and his gospel. So let's examine these three practices of Nehemiah today and see how God might be building up that kind of calling and lifestyle in your life and mine. First, we discover something interesting. There is a four-month gap from the time that Nehemiah receives the report on Jerusalem to one, he puts the plan in place. And from the text, we can infer what he's doing during this time. He's praying. He's asking God for help. In the UK, there is a sign around the subways just about everywhere. It's become a meme and a fun t-shirt even. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it. Mind the gap, right? The gap between calling on the Lord and action for Nehemiah was four months. He had to wait on the Lord. 
he began seeking what the Lord was calling him to do first. As Mexicano points out in thinking about this text, he said, the Lord is the specialist who we need for the uncrossable and impossible experiences in our life. I wonder if there are some, as I know there have been in my life, uncrossable and impossible tasks before you in your life. Maybe you just look at the world around us and say, well, that's not going to get fixed. I shouldn't bother with that. That's impossible. And yet Nehemiah didn't do that. He might have felt it, but he came and called upon the Lord this four-month gap, and he prayed, and he listened. I think about times in my life where it seems impossible or unprovable, or uncrossable. Two experiences where a mom helped me see the Lord's way in these times in between I want to share with you. One was after high school, and all the plans I had in place just seemed to fall apart, and was resigned to do what I didn't want to do next. And, and then my mom it felt like speaking from God when she said, well, what about this place called the Lutheran Bible Institute that you used to talk about years ago? And it was as if God was speaking to me in that simple sentence as she spoke those words to me, and it reminded me of that heart's desire to be there. And God used that place to call me back to his word and, and call me into ministry and get to meet joy and, and so many other pieces of my life came together because of stopping and listening to the Lord speak. Another improbable or impossible seemingly moment in our life came when we realized that we were going to need to leave the job I was in, the the denomination we were a part of. We're not living like Ezra invited us to, to come under God's word. In fact, they were doing just the opposite, and we realized it was time for us to go. And we didn't know where we were going to go, and then I kind of put my hat on as dad and provider and felt like somewhat desperate. What are we going to do? How are we going to survive? And so I started putting job applications out there somewhat uh, frantically and even took interviews in some ways, although not completely, with, uh, with, with anyone who would offer one to me. And then my wise wife, mother of our children, said to me, this is not how God has ever called us. And so she said, let's just spend time in prayer. And I'm not talking a a five-minute prayer. I'm talking weeks. I stopped putting applications out. I stopped taking interviews. And we prayed. We minded the gap. And it was during that time of prayer that God introduced us to Faith Lutheran. You see, the Lord is the specialist we need for the uncrossable and impossible experiences in our lives. Nehemiah went up to the Lord as that first step. But then he knew that 
He couldn't do it alone. He brought others in. He even brought his own career path in. And trust me, it was not a a good career move for him to ask the king for help. It could have ended with the end of his life. And he brought the body of Christ in to do it together. We don't live this life alone. We're called to come in together. And he kept all along in mind the outcome for others. For the glory of God. You see, this rhythm for life of each of these areas of calling upon the Lord and coming up to him, bringing others in and going in with others, and living our lives for the outcome of others, is the way that Jesus calls us to live. And when we're missing one of those three aspects of our walk with Christ, it's like trying to sit on a three-legged stool with two legs. It doesn't work very well. You know, when we're missing just one part of our diet, like iron, we become dangerously anemic, right? And so this is the way of life for those who follow Jesus, One of those areas, a place that God is calling you to be attention, pay attention to. So after calling on God and bringing others in, some of which involved risk, Nehemiah began the work with God's people of rebuilding the wall that would protect God's people. It's interesting, by the way, you read in this text Some of that happened once again in that month of Nisan, that month where Jesus would later die and rise again. This is a foreshadow of God's rebuilding work, not only then, but now. You see, even Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, invited others in and doing life with his disciples. He most certainly lived sacrificially for the outcome of others more than anyone else in history. God has been rebuilding his people in rebuilding lives, a way of life. Jesus came with God's steadfast love to restore a covenant relationship with himself. And Jesus' sacrifice brings healing and forgiveness and restoration. His word gives us the the equipping and the way of life and binds us together in community. And his love compels us to share his love, his good news, his acts of kindness with others. So today I invite you to this way of life. Come with Zerubbabel to the mercy seat. Come with Ezra to the word and gathered in doing life in community and digging in with other Christians. And come seeking where God is calling you to live for the outcome of others. This is Jesus' way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And this life, this way, is Jesus' way. Rebuilding that life in your life today. Amen.